this time loop thing. How did you get out of it? Well, I just simply boosted the circuits and broke free. And you came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No, no, I'm afraid not. No, obviously the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I am some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. Well, at least that's what used to happen anyway. I hope I got all the words right there at the start. I had to do it from memory. Anyway, today I thought I'd tell you my story, in the hope I can bring it all back again. I'd um denied over what to do for my 100th episode. I'd emailed the agent of Matt Jones, writer of 2006's The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, in the hope of securing an interview with him. To date, he's the only New Who writer never to have done an interview about his script, so I thought I could try and make that happen. He said no. For a while, I played with the idea of doing a live episode in a local pub, but then I realised that my listenership is stretched thinly across the whole planet, so probably no one would really come. So in the end, I decided to just get a few Doctor Who pals together and do a roundtable discussion one Saturday morning. I woke up the morning it was supposed to happen and leapt out of bed nice and early to get everything together. I keep all of my recording gear in a big box in the corner of the room, so I walked over to grab my recording desk and three microphones. But they weren't where I expected to find them. Instead, it was just some old rucksacks and towels. My girlfriend, Kath, was still lying half asleep in the bed. The light from between the blinds was illuminating her face just slightly. Babe, I said, have you seen my mixing desk and microphones? You've only got the one microphone, haven't you? And you've not used that desk for ages. What do you mean? I said. I I use it all the time for my podcasts. Since when have you had a podcast? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Kat's not a Doctor Who fan, but she knows full well I made the podcast. I've made most of the episodes in our bedroom. I put it down to her being half asleep and started to rummage around the room. I found my desk eventually with one mic, but they weren't where I'd left them, and they were covered with a thick layer of dust like they hadn't been used in years. I'd have to make do with just the one mic, I thought, and blew the dust off the gear and shoved it in my rucksack. Frustrated, I waved goodbye to Kath and walked out of the house. It was weird outside. Everything just seemed a bit quieter. I was meeting everybody at Beth Stars Axford's flat, but I always forget her address, so I opened up my mobile phone to find it in an old message. I scrolled down in the Messenger app, but couldn't find any messages from Beth at all. I searched her on main Facebook, and was met with a prompt to add friend. Had Beth deleted me on Facebook? I started to get worried. I searched a bunch of other mates, They'd all deleted me too. Was it something I'd said? Panic was beginning to rise. 
I decided to go to a local cafe to get some breakfast while I worked out what to do. Why would my friends turn their backs on me like that? I walked briskly around the corner, stopping at a cash point so I could pay for my food. I popped in my card. I may as well check my balance while I'm here, I thought. Well, the figure on the screen was surprising to say the least. I couldn't remember the last time I'd had that amount of money in my bank account. I guess I must just have been a bit more careful with money this month. I swung open the door to the cafe and took a seat in the corner. I didn't even look at the menu. I knew I was going to get a veggie breakfast. Although, to be honest, I didn't have my normal appetite, such was the level of worry rising through my stomach and chest. The waiter came over and I ordered my food. While I was waiting, I opened my phone again and decided to check Twitter to see if my friends followed me on there. Annoyingly, my podcast account had seemingly unlinked from my Twitter app. I tried to sign back in to no avail. This was getting really weird now. I searched for my own account to check it was still there. All that came back was pictures of galaxy printed yo-yos. What on earth was going on? And that was when I noticed. My phone case. It was just plain black. I'd had a Doctor Who one for ages now, with the fourth Doctor and K9 on it. I didn't remember switching to a plain one. My brain must have been working faster than I realised now because I found myself sinking my hand into my coat pocket and reaching for my keys. A Lego Darth Vader keyring I'd never seen before was hanging off the bunch. I've been using a Patrick Troughton keyring for more than a year. I bought it at a Who shop in East London. The lighting seemed to dim as things started to add up. The waiter brought my breakfast over, but I didn't even look up at him. I opened the internet and decided to do some more googling. I just wrote two words in the search bar. Doctor Who. I waited for what felt like an eternity while the results loaded. Myriad web pages arrived on the screen. I scrolled through their titles while my breakfast went cold on the table. The Chinese doctor who tried to warn others about coronavirus. Fake German doctor who coaxed women to electrocute themselves, jailed. Meet the Oxford doctor who is a world champion footballer. The doctor who helped the CIA find Bin Laden. Family sues doctor who used his sperm to impregnate patient. Again, my brain must have been working faster than I knew because I suddenly found my arm rolling up my left sleeve. I have a tattoo on my inner forearm. It's a sketch of the TARDIS, drawn by Russell T Davies for the book Now We Are 600. Except, it wasn't there. My arm was completely blank. I started to draw out where the time machine had been with the nail of my index finger. There was nothing. It was like the world around me had slowed down and everything sounded like it was underwater. Where had Doctor Who gone? I tried to eat the breakfast, but could barely stomach a single bean. Slamming a £20 note down on the table, I walked out of the door without waiting for my change and called my dad. The phone rung a few times, then eventually he answered. Please tell me you've heard of Doctor Who, I said immediately. Oh, hello, as we used to say. J- just tell me, Dad, have you heard of Doctor Who? Rings a bell. Oh, thank God. Is he a rapper? What? Isn't he that rapper that did those documentaries for BBC Three about knife crime and stuff? No, Dad, that, that's Professor Green. Doctor Who, the thing we watched together my entire life. Is this some giant wind-up? 
You introduced it to me when I was little by showing me the five doctors on VHS. I make a fortnightly podcast about it. Doctor Who, Dad? I can't really remember. We used to just watch Star Wars when you were a kid, really. Not much else. I just hung up. And it was at that point that I actually started to cry. I went home and just lay down on the carpet for a while. For the next couple of days, I tried to act completely normal. I even started to believe I had gone mad. Maybe Doctor Who was something I'd just made up in my head. Maybe I'd just woken up from a long dream. But what about all my friends? They were definitely real. I'd even found them all on Facebook. None of it added up. Soon enough, Monday came around and I hopped on the Thameslink train to work. When I got there, I put my hand into my pocket to get my keycard that opens the door to the office. I couldn't find it anywhere. I must have left it on my desk again. I stood in the street waiting for a colleague to arrive so I could tailgate. And then it dawned on me. It was like a flashback from a movie. I remembered what my boss had said to me after I got the job. It was that podcast you do that swung it for you in the interview, she'd said. It shows that you can communicate with people properly. Of course. No Doctor Who. No podcast. No job. Reluctantly, I called Kath. Yeah, everything's okay. Look, I'm going to sound absolutely mental here, but where do I work? I'm really not in the mood for this. No, seriously, where do I work? You know full well that you work at the Brownswood pub. I'll see you after work. She hung up, and I got back on the train to my first shift pulling pints, something I'd literally never done before in my entire life. It was a long day. I must have smashed six or seven glasses. The manager must have thought I was having a nervous breakdown, and I suppose I actually was, really. The pints I pulled were about two-thirds foam and one-third lager. I do not know what is in a porn star martini. I'd had to Google it on my phone in front of the customer. It had been a total nightmare, but I got through it. At about 6pm, Kat strolled in through the double doors and came over to the bar. What time are you working till? She asked. In truth... I had no idea. I'd been planning just to stay until I was told otherwise. And what was that routine this morning, asking where you work? I'm stressed in the morning. What was even funny about that? I hit breaking point. There's nothing funny about that, I said. In fact, there's nothing funny about any of this. I slammed an empty pint glass down on the bar. I do not work in this pub, Kath. I work in an office in the centre of London. I have never worked in a pub in my entire life. I have been here before, though. Oh, yeah, I've been here loads of times. I marched out of the bar, so I was now standing in the open space of the pub. I stormed up the stairs. Kath followed. I make a podcast, Kath, I said through gritted teeth, about a BBC family drama called Doctor Who. It's been on since 1963, and I've watched it and obsessed over it for most of my life. It's actually helped me through some pretty hard parts of my life. And since I've been making the podcast, I've met loads of people. People I now call friends. Sarah Garnham, Tom Webster, Luke Spillan, Kezia Newsom, Beth Axford, Will Shaw, Crystal D, Connor Johnston. All these people are my friends, all because of the podcast. And I've made podcasts in this very pub. I started stomping around, pointing aggressively at all the tables around me. I've made a podcast there. I've made a podcast sitting over there and there. I made a podcast just a few weeks ago, a commentary for the Rings of Akaten. Now, all of a sudden, there's no such thing as the Rings of Akaten. The Rings of what? Akaten! There was a long silence. Neither of us said anything to each other. 
Then Kath just walked down the stairs and out of the building. I put my head in my hands. After a more reasoned discussion later back at the flat, Kath and I both decided it was best if I went away for a little while to see my parents in Manchester to ground myself a little bit. I was worried sick for the entire train journey. I didn't know what on earth I was going to talk to my dad about now there was no Doctor Who. I just felt so disconnected from everything around me. It felt like a part of me had died. I kept checking my forearm, where the tattoo had been, but it was always just bare skin. Once I got back to Manchester, I asked my mum if she'd open a garage for me. All my Doctor Who memorabilia was stored up in the rafters. I was hoping with every fibre of my being that it would still be up there. I hauled a ladder from the corner of the cold garage and propped it up against the bracket. Then I began to climb. It felt like I was on some almighty quest, like there should be a glowing light at the top, illuminating box upon box of character options action figures. There was no glowing light. I had to lean over and hit a light switch. Everything was suddenly very yellow. I was almost frightened to start digging through all the boxes. I was frantically unpacking everything, throwing old school books and Jacqueline Wilson novels onto the ground, forcing my hands desperately into piles of superhero and Star Wars toys. I started to get worried once I hit the stationery box. There should have been loads of old Doctor Who Adventures free gift pencil cases in there. There were none. I was running out of boxes to search. I crawled over to one of those IKEA storage units with multicolored plastic drawers and aggressively yanked each one from its slot. Doctor Who toys should have come flying out. Instead, it was everything but matchbox cars, old chargers, Happy Meal toys, fancy dress costumes, pure tat. And then just as I'd lost all hope, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, trapped between the chest of drawers and the wall. A stripy woolen scarf. I pulled the drawers away from the wall so hard that they almost fell over, then grabbed the scarf and chucked it off the ledge I was standing on, sure that it would be long enough to hit the floor. I closed my eyes tight in anticipation. When I opened them, my heart sank. I was still holding one end of the scarf, and the other end was dangling limply off the edge. It was barely two feet long. What I'd found was just an ordinary scarf. It was a whole half hour before I found the strength to climb back down the ladder. Then I realised the silver lining. That was why my bank balance had been so unexpectedly high. I'd saved so much money by not spending it on Doctor Who stuff. While my family slept elsewhere in the house, I spent the whole night in the dark of the living room, googling. David Tennant, no results. I guess he'd never become an actor, Doctor Who having not been there to inspire him. Peter Capaldi, the same. Matt Smith brought up some results. It was a few pages before I found our Matt Smith. He'd had a few bit parts here and there. Christopher Eccleston's career had barely changed. Jodie Whittaker had still been in stuff, but no broad church. Chibnall had a few writing credits here and there. Stephen Moffat had a few credits too, but nothing quite as massive as Doctor Who or Sherlock. I googled Russell T Davies, not quite as famous, but still one of the most respected names in the industry, his most famous work being a series called The Man and His Mortgage. My friend Crystal D had still made her name as a presenter, presenting something called Pet Shop Boys The Fan Show. I looked up John Hurt, figuring his career would be virtually unchanged. It was, but he hadn't been in Alien. In fact there was no such film as Alien. I guess it was more based on the arc in space than we thought. Eventually. I called it a night. The world was just less fun now, less full of ideas and ambition. 
just a bit more boring. For the next couple of days, I tried to write some Doctor Who scripts from memory in the hope that I could realise them. The whole exercise just felt futile. I had no idea where to start. What kind of Doctor did I want to create? Which era did I most want to replicate? There were too many ideas in Doctor Who. I had no idea of which order in which to put them down on paper. I tried to ask myself what Doctor Who is at its heart, but it was too difficult. It was too many things to too many people. And now it was nothing to everybody except me. I eventually caught a train back to London. I was starting to settle into this new life, starting to get used to the hole that had been left in the universe. I felt like little Amelia Pond in the Big Bang, convinced there were stars even though there were no signs of them. I dragged my suitcase along the platform lethargically. I was halfway down the platform when I spied something out of the corner of my eye. Standing there, in a navy anorak, with a little pencil, and a notepad, and a camera, it was my friend Luke Spillane. He'd always been into trains, but this looked next level. He had a frown on his face, and was focusing on the trains pulling in. It looked like he was train spotting. Without even thinking, I approached him. Luke! Do I know you? Yes, well, no, but yes. Are you seriously train spotting? Ah, you here for the 215 service as well? I've brought my long lens camera so I can get some good shots of it coming in. I've nearly spotted all of the Avantis coming in from Manchester Piccadilly now. Do you, do you want to see my checklist? Before I could say anything else, he dived into his rucksack and started rooting through papers before producing a spreadsheet clearly printed from a Microsoft Excel document. As he meticulously unfolded the paper, everything started to sound like it was underwater again. I've heard from someone in Stoke this morning that the train coming in at two is the last one I needed out of the whole stock, so obviously I rushed here. I imagine you've come for the same thing, right? I suddenly felt embarrassed. No, no, actually I haven't. I, I thought you were someone else, sorry. I was just leaving. When I decided I had nothing to lose, I turned on my heels and walked purposefully back towards him. Look, this is a long shot, I said, but you haven't heard of Doctor Who, have you? Is that a rapper? In the days that followed, I continued to work on my Doctor Who scripts, but the sad reality is that I am not an award-winning writer of drama, so they weren't great. I was trying to do too much from memory. It felt fragmented and half-hearted. I needed to enlist some professional help. Hello? Hi there, is that Stephen Moffat? It's Molly Marsh here. We've been emailing about an idea I've had about a TV series you could write. You can trust me. Okay, so it's a science fiction series. Ah, I, I normally do sex comedies. Jokes about gender, essentialism, uber-powerful women dominating bumbling intellectual types, that sort of thing. I, I know. There's loads of room for that, don't worry. So it's about this bloke called the Doctor who looks like a human, but he's actually an alien time traveller from the planet Gallifrey. He steals this time machine that can camouflage in any environment it's in, but he takes it to Earth and it gets stuck looking like a police box. Why on earth would it be a police box? We've not had those for decades. Can't it be a regular phone box? Okay, fine. It gets stuck as a phone box. But it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And it can go literally anywhere in time and space. Each episode is in a different location and he meets different aliens and goes to different historical periods and fights evil. And he never uses weapons. He just has a sonic screwdriver which helps him get through, like, doors and stuff. 
and he has a wife, but he keeps meeting her out of order. Isn't that last bit just like a time traveller's life? It is, Stephen, yeah, absolutely is. It's a bit of a messy concept. Uh, who are we casting as the main character? Matt Smith? Who? Peter Capaldi? Who? David Tennant? Who? Well, isn't it a bit old fashioned for this main character to be a white man? Like, why does it have to be a white man? You know what? It doesn't. What about Joe Martin? Have you seen the Sainsbury's advert that's like, these paprika burgers? Uh, no. Uh, okay, forget it. Well, why don't you run me through some of the episode pitches? Oh god, where do I start? Okay, so the first episode is like, the first 25 minutes set the whole idea up and the doctor kidnaps some school teachers and takes them to prehistoric times and then tries to kill a guy with a rock. Uh, no, actually, maybe not, don't use that one. The second one, they end up on this alien planet that's been devastated by nuclear war and the two warring factions are these sort of giant pepper pots with a sort of long guy. And then there are these blonde people in leotards. Right, no? No. Okay, episode three, they just spend the whole time in the TARDIS and it's just this weird surrealist play and the Doctor's granddaughter attacks everybody with a pair of scissors. Oh, wait, so he's got a granddaughter now? Yeah. Okay. Let's start in 2005 instead. Why are we starting in 2005? That's just weird. Y- yeah, you're right. This whole conversation is a bit weird. We haven't got any other ideas. This is a bit all over the place, frankly. Okay, what about... What about a Sherlock Holmes series set in the present day? No, that's more like it, actually. I did not have the energy for this anymore. The days turned into weeks, and the weeks turned into months. There were so many little things that weren't quite the same anymore. Before, if it all got a bit too much, I'd just stick the 11th hour on Netflix, and just watch the scene with the Doctor and Amelia in the kitchen. But I didn't even have those small comforts anymore. I still had all the lessons the show had taught me. Run fast, laugh hard, be kind but it was like they were buried under three layers of boring. Even the weather outside seemed to be worse. I missed my friends. I kept searching for them on Facebook, scrolling through their Doctor Who-less profile pics like some kind of creep. I kept wanting to get in touch, but what would I say? Then one day, I hit breaking point and just decided to go and see one of them, my friend Sarah. I was going to say you'll know it from having appeared on the podcast a few times, but... I don't suppose you will now. Anyway, she's a great friend and Doctor Who brought us together in another life. She lives with her elderly cat, Rebecca, in a flat on the other side of London. I couldn't remember the address, but I remembered how to get there. I decided to walk the whole way to give myself time to change my mind. The whole journey took about four and a half hours. It felt like some kind of pilgrimage. Once I arrived, I stood outside for about 10 minutes before I found the courage to do anything. Eventually, and still with no idea of what I was going to say, I rang the buzzer. Hello? Hi, I, I, uh, I've come to read the gas meter. Come on up. I walked tentatively up the stairs, still with no plan. Once I got up there, I was foiled virtually immediately. You don't even have a bag with you. Can I see some ID? I... Uh, I I don't have any with me. 
She slammed the door and went back inside. Sarah, I shouted. How do you know my name? Have you been looking through my bins? No, I... I just decided to tell the truth. Look, I'm going to sound mental right now, but my name is Molly. And in an alternate reality, we're friends. We met because of a shared love of a TV show called Doctor Who. But I woke up one day a few months back to find out Doctor Who doesn't exist anymore. I've never heard of it. Exactly. And without Doctor Who, we never met. My world is completely different now, but no one else has any idea. Honestly, it's the best show in the world, Sarah, but it's losing all the effects it's had that's heard the most. Look, I don't know you and I don't know what you're talking about. Go home. Maybe I should. No, no, I can prove I know you. You grew up on the Isle of Wight. You could have found that out from my bin. Your cat is called Rebecca. That's on my social media. So it is. Ah, Wait, wait. Three months ago, one Wednesday morning, you woke up and Rebecca had shat and pissed all over your chest and a little bit on your neck as well. And you rolled over into the piss and shit and you put your hand in it. And then you put your hand through your hair. And then you fell back asleep and didn't realise what had happened until your alarm went off about an hour and a half later. You messaged me about it, but you specifically said you hadn't told anybody else because it was so gross. There was a long silence. Then the door slowly swung open. How did you know about that? Sarah, it's me. Sarah and I sat down in her lounge and I told her everything. I tried to fill her in as best I could about Doctor Who, but... Mostly I just told her about how different my life was now. I know you've got a hooch in the fridge, I said eventually. Can I have one? We both started acting like our old selves again. It was like we'd both come back from the dead. We agreed to keep meeting each week. I carried on trying to rewrite every Doctor Who story, even the ones I didn't like. I'd have killed to get even a scrap of the show back. It seemed mad that I'd ever badmouthed any of it. Well, apart from the talents of Wang Chiang anyway. It was quite fun recreating it all, but something was still missing. I drew my tattoo back on my forearm with a felt-tip pen. Every couple of days it would wash off in the shower, but I'd just draw it on again. Wherever it was, it was a reminder. One day, a few weeks later, I got an email out of the blue. The subject line read, Do you remember me? It was from my old friend Will Shaw. We'd met through this podcast. My mouth fell open. I couldn't believe what I was reading. He'd clearly not tried to give too much away in the body of the email. It was all very vague, talking about how it was a shame we'd lost touch and did I remember him at all? Of course I remembered him. The remarkable thing was that he remembered me. I didn't even bother replying to the email. I just ran as fast as I possibly could to his front door. I collapsed on the floor when I got there and rang the buzzer. My parade was rained on when it became clear he wasn't in. I sat outside on the floor, waiting for the best part of an hour, until eventually I saw him come around the corner with some shopping bags. I virtually rugby tackled him as soon as I saw him appear. Will! Molly! I can't believe it's you. Do you remember? What? You mean... (laughs) Yes! Come inside, I've got something to show you. I followed Will inside the flat. I sat in silence on his sofa for what felt like an eternity, watching him put his shopping away. So, have you always remembered? What do you mean? 
I just woke up one day and Doctor Who had gone. Is that not what happened to you too? No, not at all. For the first couple of weeks, I forgot too. I noticed this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like there was a gaping hole in, well, life. But aside from that, I had no idea. And then one afternoon, I was walking home from work, and it was really, really windy, and a leaf hit me square in the face. Like in the... Like in the Rings of Akaten. You loved the Rings of Akaten. You wrote a whole book about it, and we recorded a commentary track. I know. That moment with the leaf, that's when it all started, slowly, flooding back. It was like I'd suddenly woken up. Little pieces of it all keep coming back to me all the time, slowly. This morning I remembered the Battle of Ranscor of Kolos. I'm sorry about that. Uh, thoughts and prayers? No, don't be daft. It's still Doctor Who. Anyway, I went searching everywhere for traces of the show. And after some looking, I found something. Turn on the telly. I turned it on. You just have to keep pressing next channel again and again. Go through all the radio stations, through the shopping channels, past the soft porn, and eventually you'll get there. I kept scrolling through the channels and eventually I found it. It wasn't the clearest picture ever, but I could immediately tell what it was. It was the rings of Akaten. It's just this episode. It just plays on a loop 24 hours a day. And I watch it pretty much 24 hours a day, now I've found it. Will passed me a beer and we watched the TV. We must have watched the episode about four or five times, until finally, at about one in the morning, I decided to go home. I think we'll be alright, you know, I said just before I left. Doctor Who has disappeared before. First they junked all the episodes, then it went off air for 16 years. And we found ways to remember, to keep it alive. Why can't we do that again? So that's what we did. Once I'd finished rewriting all the actual stories, I started making some up. New characters, new worlds, new doctors even. We all made new pieces of Doctor Who that had never been seen before. Stories, drawings. I even wrote the odd song. It was like a secret club no one else knew about. Doctor Who had always felt like that, even when it was the biggest show on TV. And now it actually was that. The hole in the world was beginning to close, but something was still missing. Whenever I listened to podcasts, I just felt jealous. I missed doing this. It had come to mean so much to me. I never had loads and loads of listeners, but I really cared about that podcast. I was proud of it. It seemed a shame that it had to be gone forever. But it didn't have to be. And neither did Doctor Who. After all, if something can be remembered, then it can come back. I am who I am because of Doctor Who. Would I have had the confidence to make any of the choices I've made in life without it? Maybe, but maybe not. If something can be remembered, then it can be brought back. I remembered, Will remembered, I was starting to think Sarah remembered. And occasionally, I'd see people in the street with unusually long scarves, and I'd think, do they know? And I was starting to find things around the house. A little piece of blue plastic I was sure was from my Dennis Fisher TARDIS toy. Pieces of A4 paper with my name and address on them that I'm sure were from subscriber issues of Doctor Who magazine. Nothing concrete, but little clues. Then one day, I was in the shower, scrubbing away at my arms. The soap had formed a lather on my forearm, on top of where I'd drawn my tattoo, and I was expecting the felt-tip pen to disappear as usual, but it didn't. I rubbed even harder. The ink wasn't budging. I ran my finger along the sketch. It was under the skin, 
I could feel it under the skin. My tattoo was back. I was so ecstatic I nearly fell to my death climbing out of the bathtub, and then I grabbed a towel, quickly dried myself and ran to the wardrobe. There they were. My Sarah Jane Hand of Fear dungarees Kath had made me. I pulled them out. Look! I yelled. I ran out of the house, quickly throwing on my Converse trainers. Then I just stood in the middle of the road. The sun came out from behind the clouds as if it knew. I opened the voice notes app on my phone, pressed record and began to talk. Hello everybody, I said. And welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world. And I have to deal with them.